You are listening to a Lighter Side Show podcast flashback with Jamie Butler, the everyday medium. This audio originally aired as a video episode on the Lighter Side Network and may have been edited from its original version. For up-to-date classes and events with Jamie, visit jamiebutlermedium.com and subscribe to the lightersidenetwork.com for hundreds of video episodes and podcasts that explore wholeness living, trans-channeling, energy work, and more. The Lighter Side Network, where the everyday meets the extraordinary. Hi, Lumineers. Welcome to the Lighter Side Show. You're here. You made it. Woo! There you are. Here I am, and I wish you were in studio with me. You know what? I'm thinking season three, adding some more live events for the Lighter Side Show. Hmm? Yeah. Jesse's not even responding to me behind the camera. Oh, now he's nodding. Okay, now we're getting it. <laughs> All right. Today we're going to be channeling. I say we, it's just an I. Hmm. Today, I'm going to be channeling Maitland for you, and we're going to be talking about mental illness versus mediumship and the relationship between the two. But before we do that, a little housekeeping note, we are excited about Luma Summit. It is wonderful. Now, we only have about 50 seats, so please go ahead and register in advance. When I do get a larger space, we will expand. But for now, Luma Summit has 18 wonderful sessions, several mysteries that I'm not going to tell you about, and it's all about mind, body, emotion, and soul. There will be healings, there will be surprises, there will be food, there will be everything that you want packed into three days. So I can't wait to see you here in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, to know more details, please head over to jamiebutlermedium.com and sign up for the newsletter. It's the best place. It has everything in a list for you, all organized. Colleen is amazing with that newsletter. Comes out once a month and we don't spam. Hey, before we start this channeling, I wanna give a huge shout out to Malin. You were the one who suggested this topic. Thank you so much for sending your topic ideas and suggestions and comments. We are reading them. In fact, Jesse is reminding me that he is hungry, hungry, hungry hippo. Hungry. <laughs> for your suggestions and topic ideas. So please send them our way. Info at thelightersidenetwork.com. It all works right there. In fact, for any of the great shows that we have, you can send it there. What? It's just amazing. Okay, let's get channeling. Thank you so much again, Malin. And I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. <laughs> there we go. You fast forward this, right? Because it takes a little time. It's not bad. He doesn't fast forward this? Well, sometimes you're, you're, you're out like that. Even my feet are sweating right now. It just happens. It's cool because you can feel on, like, in my heart chakra, like it's expansive. Like my ribs are out here, cracking open. That didn't sound like a pleasant feeling, but it is a pleasant feeling. I'm, <laughs> how do you describe it? Good morning, Lola. Good morning. I've been here all morning. And she's been talking to you. <laughs> Hi, Lumineers. My name is Maitland. I am nine years old. And I choose to be nine years old. I don't have to be nine years old. Wouldn't that be great if you could do that in your human body? You're like, I'm 40 years old, but I, I choose to be 40 years old. I don't have to be 40 years old. But nope, you agreed to sign up to linear time. So that's what happens year after year after year after year. 
and soon you 40-year-old person will be 41. 40's not that old anymore. Mm -mm. Ooh, today we're talking about men mental illness and um, psychic and mediumship abilities. Because you know a lot of people get that confused. They do. Colleen's not here today. She has a headache. So I'm going to talk to Jesse. Hi, Jesse. Hey, Maitland. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing good, thank you. I'm wearing jeans. I see. It's not my first time. What, wearing jeans? Mm hmm But I didn't have pants growing up. Just dresses and skirts? Yes, my mom thought that was appropriate. Mm -hmm. But we had, um, you call them bloomers, maybe? Mm-hmm. And I would wear those in the house. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I hope today that I help you, Lumineer, draw a line between mental illness, the reasons of mental illness energetically, and psychic and natural intuitive abilities. <sighs> Let's first start with how a lot of us in, in, in the culture that you're in or where you are, just a lot of the humans on earth don't really understand their own definition of what intuition is because, um, and so I, let's separate that first. So in intuition is the ability to have a heightened sensation and a heightened awareness in all your traditional five senses and, and into your sixth sense. So I would say that the word sixth sense and intuition are the same. And that you have five senses that you're taught about. And that when you use your sixth sense or your intuition, it's really taking the base of your five senses and heighten them to another level. So it is if your physical body can use your traditional five senses in a different way. Okay, so you can smell things that aren't present. You can feel things that aren't touching you. You can see things that aren't there. You can taste things that you didn't eat. That's a real one. Um, what's the other one? Hear things that aren't creating the sound in the room. Now, I'm only using those descriptions of not being there and not creating the sound as as how you as a person would describe your traditional five senses. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So that is intuition. Now, when we get into that, all of a sudden, when you're using your, your intuition layer up here on top of your five senses, you are now able to see things that maybe another person's eyeballs aren't perceiving. And you can hear things that uh, the person next to you, their ears are not hearing. So all of a sudden, you, you just stepped away from a community of people sitting next to you that I spy the orange table. And we can all see the orange table together and agree that there's, there's an orange table. Where when you're using your intuition, you say, I spy the cat in the room, but everybody next to you cannot spy the cat in the room. 
And so you start to question your own ability only because we have been trained as people that when there is something that is factual or even in science, when you do a science experiment, that the same outcome is supposed to happen after the same experiment occurs. And so when you have that consistency, then you know it's real or for fact. And that we're taught that when things are for fact, that everybody else can identify, see, or engage with that fact as well. You with me? But now you're seeing a cat that other people aren't seeing. So your brain now has to deconstruct everything that it's learned about what is real and what is not real. And this is where we get into the realm of mental illness. We define mental illness as a very individual disease. So it's quite different than other physical diseases like cancer, because we can identify cancer in one body and go to the next person and identify cancer in their body, go to the next person, identify, you see the pattern? So the community is built again about all being able to recognize that cancer in the person. And so that disease isn't, um, is considered more factual rather than mental diseases are so misunderstood because um, humans haven't figured out yet how exactly to look at the brain and understand how the organ functions. Um, scientists are now starting to understand that the brain is a transmitter and receiver like a radio, that it is, its major function is transmitting signals and wavelengths. And once they start looking at what is transmitting and what vibration or level or wavelength it is and where it's coming from, then we can start to understand certain mental dysfunctions or mental functions. I think it's better to just call it mental functions because a lot of the people who have mental diseases um, or mental illnesses, they're not really illnesses or diseases. They're really hypersensitive within their intuitive uh, realm. And the physicians and doctors and therapists that they're seeing don't know how to describe intuition and how it works or how even the brain functions as a transmitter and receiver and then just in, identifies what the person is doing as something they cannot connect to. Not more than one person can say that's what they're doing and that's a fact and that's real. So they'll medicate or they'll, they'll medicate or separate. And that's usually kind of the two solutions that they do with the mental illness. And so I would first encourage if you know anybody who has a mental illness, even if it's something like bipolar or something as manic depressive or um, what are some other ones? Paranoid schizophrenia. Paranoid schizophrenia. I would even say anxieties, um, fears and phobias. And um, what's the multi-personality one? Uh, dissociative identity disorder. Dissociative identity disorders. Thank you, Jesse. Mm -hmm. You learn a lot from your mom. <laughs> that... Um, 
a lot of them, not the majority, but a lot of them. And I, if I'm guessing numbers right now in the world today, I would easily guess 45% of the people who carry these labels do not honestly have what is happening to them. And then, you know, so we're left with still a majority to look at. And I think in that majority, it is the training of what intuition is to them, even in their mental state. Because a lot of people already believe that if you have a mental disease or illness, you are fragile and that you cannot be trusted and you potentially cannot learn anything new because it might be too much. And that might be the case for some people, but not all. So in looking at the like 45% of the people who carry the labels but don't really possess what the definition of that mental illness is, are the ones who are highly sensitive and are using their intuitive abilities to an extreme that is not what we consider normal or something that we are not used to. So there are people who have multiple personality disorder. What did you call it? Uh, DID, dissociative identity disorder. DID, where indeed the, um, they know who they themselves are, but at a younger age, they communicated with entities or they have entities that are attached and that ride with them, like side saddle. And that because it hasn't been spoken in their language or is in their belief system, they incorporated those spirits that are with them as identities of their own, and they switch back and forth. The reason I like to pick this one is um, it is in such extreme that it explains something else that I want to talk about. Because when um, you have multiple personality, the ID, that let's say one of your personalities has um, asthma or a weak heart or a stutter, but another personality does not. And if they are hooked up to a machine or examined by a doctor and they're in the personality that has the heart condition um, or the stutter or the asthma, it will show in x-rays, it will show in an examination that the heart um, weakness or disease is present and the murmur is there and the blood functions differently and that the lungs absolutely change into asthmatic and that um, even down to allergies, maybe one personality is highly allergic to peanuts and gets a rash in the throat closes up and everything, but when it's a different personality that's present, they don't have an allergy to peanuts and that person can eat a peanut. And um, this has all been proven and looked at, which helps me make the point of explaining Lumineers how important that um, vibration and energy is, that it truly affects the physical body. So when that person, and I'm talking about a person labeled with DID that doesn't necessarily have it, but was young and had a team of spirits that um, chose to keep them or incorporate them 
out of whether it was safety, security, it was out of a need and that the parents or the environment didn't know what was going on. So they treated it as a condition rather than an ability. That's the case I'm talking about, just so that you know again. That um, when they change to spirit to spirit, that it changes the physical makeup of the body. And that is how fast that you, as someone who is empathic and sensitive luminaire, can change their body. You can heal your heart disease, you can get rid of your cancers, your stutter, your bad foot, you can get rid of everything. Right, Bethany? I believe in you. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> I'll just say that one so that you stay, yeah. Okay, anyways, so um, because science has tested that and they haven't been able to really put that kind of testing into an example, let's say of um, a person who can incorporate or channel spirits. So if Jamie was plugged up to a bunch of machines and she was Jamie, it would show brain wavelengths of Jamie, it would show heart rate of Jamie, it would show blood work of Jamie, but when I'm incorporated to Jamie's body, I am using Jamie's body and it will show my usage of her brain, my brain wavelengths. It will show how I adapt her blood, how I breathe differently. It'll show all kinds of things that I do differently. Like when I used to work with Marguerite Romas, she had metal plates in her hips and it didn't stop me from moving her legs however I wanted. But when she was awake and she was Marguerite, um, she couldn't move her legs in a certain direction, like a tailored position like this. She can't do this because there's metal in the way. But um, as another entity coming in, we can change that. You yourself are an entity and a body, and you can change it too. But your belief systems keep you... Um, narrow and believing that you don't have that ability. Was I clear enough in explaining that um, it is scientific proof that energy healing and belief creates um, instantaneous um, homeostasis and health? I think you, it was very clear, uh, especially using the DID example. There's lots of studies out there, Jesse. And the science, they're publishing it, and you can read about it. There's a lot of research on the allergy ones um, because it's, it's astounding them that one would need an EpiPen, but the other personality, which is an entity, wouldn't need an EpiPen. Mm -hmm. And so when we're working with like the 45% of people who don't really carry the label, but they've been placed with it, that when we begin to teach about intuition and that these identities for the DID example actually exist as separate of them, then they can begin to make friends with them. Like we don't need to cure them and get rid of them. Can you imagine if someone cured Jamie? <laughs> None of this would be here. No. There's a healthy way to have relationships with people and there's a healthy way to have relationships with spirit. It's just the same as having um, a, a live person friend and you have to set boundaries and you have to know who you are and who they are. But like as kids, 
you're trying to figure out who your personality really is and you're trying to figure out your look. Do I want to be a punk rocker? Do I want to be a preppy person? And you try on different styles and you try on your language. Are you someone who's going to cuss? Are you someone who's clean? Are you someone who likes to use big words? Are you casual? So you figure that out when you're growing up and you do it energetically too. And if you're highly sensitive and you live mostly in your intuitive layers of your five senses, your sixth sense up here, then you're going to be doing it energetically. And so your guides might become a part of your personality. Like um, Grace says lovely all the time and Jamie says it now. And there's a lot of stuff that I've been doing since I've known Jamie, since she was 18, that she does now, and vice versa. And it's just like having a best friend. You take on some of their attributes, but it doesn't consume you. And so when you're working with the highly sensitive people, you help identify the me and the you after teaching intuition, what that layer is then you can identify the me and the you. And sometimes um, it will require um, regression work or rewiring some of the, the uh, brainwave patterns because they were young enough that they wired them to be uh, a permanent fixture in the brain, like compartmentalize. But um, for the 45% people, it won't be as what you would call difficult or heavy work to get them to understand intuition and set those boundaries and free them from what their label is, even if it's the bipolar or manic depression. Manic depressive people, um, a lot of them, I think that I would say there is a higher rate of them being intuitive rather than classically and chemically um, manic depressive in their brain because when you're a feeler, a big feeler, empathic, sensitive, clairsensitive, claircognizant, highly sensitive, a is a h s p that um you're overwhelming your system with information energetically from all over you, all around that it can be so much that we shut down and in shutting down to preserve or protect can create the depression. And sometimes you need to do it immediately to uh, preserve and protect. And so you have these swings in your life. And sometimes people on the outside will say, well, you're just not strong enough or you're weak. You have a weak constitution and, um, and that you don't, you, you're not capable of doing these things. And so they put those labels on you and then they start protecting you in that way, which worsens the condition because you're not strengthening the muscles to identify where the information is coming in and why might it be considered too much and how would you energetically be able to put a boundary or choose not to receive the information and preserve yourself that way rather than consuming all of it and shutting down and then going into the deep manic depressive um, patterns. So um, a lot of what the mental disease labels are and how they survive so well in people is that the community around the person who is not well 
that has been labeled with a mental disease, everybody learns what it is and then knows how to walk on the eggshells to honor the disease. Isn't that weird? You walk on the eggshells to honor the disease. And so that gives the disease power and it, and it, um, it stops the person from being able to make the changes within them and to understand what, what, what might be really happening. And it keeps the pattern in place. If you're just a, an average person and you're not in the position of helping like a doctor, a therapist, or a parent, and it is a friend of yours, or it is a student in your class, or it is a neighbor, or something of that nature, then um, I think right at the beginning, if you're starting to see some kind of mood swing or anything like that, I would immediately deflect and start asking if they like the environment. It would be the first same step one situation. Do you like the room? Do you like the color? Do you like the clothes you have on? Does it feel good? Where did you buy it from? Um, and start looking at what's around the person. And um, then I would ask them if they need to change situation. Do they need to go outside? Do they need to go inside? Do they need to use the bathroom? Whatever thing like that. And that goes from kid to adult. And then I would ask them how they feel. And um, though you're not a therapist or anything, you can listen. And if they say, I feel scared, they're not looking for your advice. And I would not give any advice and I would not counsel, but I would say, I hear you're feeling scared. And you can inquire, do you know why you're feeling scared? And so you can have a, a conversation where you are repeating what the other person is saying back to you. So you're not adding anything new. Don't add anything new. It's not your place. Um, you're the professional listener. And, um, and see what they give. And you'll notice that in the conversation, there'll kind of be a natural lull where it's full. It's good. You help that person identify their environment and how they're feeling. And you can do that as just an, 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 an everyday friend and person. And most commonly, that will get them through the situation that they're in. When people in the 45% that are just intuitive and they're kind of not using their intuition with boundaries, and so they get labeled as mental illness, mm -hmm. kind of why is that happening to them? What are they signing up for? What lessons? You know, and... Um, the first lesson would be boundaries. And most likely in their agreement, their, um, their agreement is to have a human experience, but to not let go of their natural intuitive abilities. And sometimes making that transition is not graceful. Mm -hmm. It's not. So um, they, they, they're very unsettled with it. They have highs and lows. and um, then for those who have a chemical imbalance in their body, and that is why they're having the mental illness or disease, and science and doctors and people can look and say, oh yes, that number is low, this is not being produced, this is the side effect of it, right? Mm -hmm. That um, Then we could say, for that particular, let's take the DID, right. um, that um, the person is signing up for an agreement where they're learning to share, that it's um, a, a lesson in um, um, not connecting, not finding unity, not um, being a part of, uh, no, because it is a part of a whole. 
but spiritually, it's a lesson of um, finding your power and your strength. Because from where we're standing, no matter what chemical imbalance that they find in your body or your friend's body or somebody you know, it can be cured, just like cancer. It can be healed, just like a cut on your skin. And it can be healed through energetic vibration therapy. You can call it hands, hands-on healing. You can call it psychic surgery. You can call it a miracle. You can call it um, homeopathic. You can call it whatever you want. Prayer, faith. Um, but if it's looked at outside of just being dosed with a chemical from like what a traditional doctor would do, that you can find there is much more success in healing the chemical imbalance and resolving the mental illness or disease rather than swallowing the pill and managing the illness or disease. Everything in your body is growing and dying and changing and you can use that to your benefit if you're aware of it. Okay, do you have another question? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think in some cases, with mental illness, especially one is in particular is coming to mind is like paranoid schizophrenia. When people hear voices, or I mean, I guess schizophrenia, paranoid schizophrenia, where they hear voices or feel a certain way that is not true, that is not where they they believe like their their mothers are trying to poison them or they're. Their children, they don't recognize their children, and they think that they're out to get them. But are, are these, is there a discernible line between that is indeed a mental illness versus that is an intuitive imbalance? Is, is there a discernible difference? But, no, you have to take it as an individual case always. Mm-hmm. But um, you can test for those chemical imbalances and look at the brain waves more mm-hmm. and how they're transmitting, and you'll be able to identify that way. Scientists would be able to identify that way if the brain is functioning in a deficient way or in an abundant way. And I would say if it's functioning in an abundant way, like too much of, and that's what the cause of it is, I would say intuitive. That maybe they're being um, possessed or that they have a side spirit that is encouraging them to behave in a certain way that's not them or believe in certain things that they know they would not believe in if they were healthy. And if it was a dysfunction, then I would say the chemical or the brain is not able to wire properly and it's bringing up different memories and experiences to where it can't maintain a healthy um, function. And so that chemical help and therapy help would be very successful, but an abundant amount, um, I would go the intuitive route because there are a lot of people who are schizophrenia that hear the voices that um, are just very extremely clairaudient and they don't know how to separate from what's real and what's not real. And it can be very, very scary because there is a lot more voices that happen out around you than just the ones you're listening to. Even my voice right now. That's why sometimes when you look at Jamie, she's not kind of there. Have you had that? Hello? She's listening to a whole bunch of other things happening. And you can get it to where you can turn it completely off and leave it. But um, it takes a lot of focus. 
I know Jamie, um, when I met her, it was always on all the time. And so um, in her journey of turning it off and shutting it down because um, she was ready to go to the hospital and be admitted, um, that's how uncomfortable it was. And she was taking a whole bunch of drugs, not the kind that you get from a doctor. And um, it took her about three years to learn how to turn the voices off in her head. She turned my voice off. But we're still friends. So you can do it in a healthy way. I don't know if I answered your question. Well, that's good. I think you did. It would be very neat if um, we... Um, if Lumineers, if you would send in just like a specific illness and situation, something that you knew the details on, but we wouldn't give names or anything. And then when we talk about energy and that specific illness, we could use the example so that it would help you and also be able to talk about it more in depth because it's the direction that you want to go in. Because there's so many mental illnesses that are being created and labeled out there that, um, you know, this conversation might be helpful or kind of icing on the cake, but it really didn't get to the, the slice that you were hoping it got to. So we, I would like to hear from you because now that I, I see that the Lumineers, the, the community that's being created is like, you know, some of them are just at the beginning, but a lot of them are up here. They've already done a lot of the work. And so I think it would be fun if we just gave all the big information. Do I have to go? It's about time. I really liked doing this. And um, thank you very much for having me here. And I encourage you to understand what intuition means to you and how your intuition affects each and every traditional sense of the five that you have and start finding the language and, and how to express it to other people so that when you come across someone that you know is having an imbalance, that maybe you can be the one to provide that listening ear and help them out. And if you yourself are listening and you have been labeled with a mental illness, I hope this puts you in a position of questioning if you're a highly sensitive person or if you have a true chemical imbalance and which way you're going to go about healing and helping yourself find homeostasis. homeostasis. Thank you, Lumineers. Remember, it's not woo-woo, it's true-true. Bye. The ideas expressed by guests and channeled guests on the Lighter Side Show podcast are not necessarily Jamie's personal beliefs. Information received from the Lighter Side Show podcast is not to be used as a substitute for medical or psychological advice. For up-to-date info on Jamie, visit jamiebutlermedium.com and subscribe to the Lighter Side Network, Lumineers. I'll see you there. The Lighter Side Network, where the everyday meets the extraordinary.